You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Hello and welcome to TFM's local watering hole. I am just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and with me, as she is every single week, she who should not be named, the one we do not talk about, Christy Morris. Or, I know, I just broke all the rules. Brunita. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. And we're so excited, the back with us is Amanda. Hello, guys. And this week we are the Family 602 Club. Yeah. (laughs) Amanda would be Isabella. No, (laughs) she's such a stinker. (laughs) But she's perfect. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, practically perfect in every way. She's like the Mary Poppins of the the group, Sounds exhausting. So it, Matt. (laughs) Yeah, it does sound exhausting. Uh, I like to consider myself the Bruno of the group. Um, you know, a little odd, out there, weird. So, yeah, that's me. Well, this week we are going to be talking about, as I'm sure everybody has figured out, uh, Encanto from Disney Animation. And so before we get there, though, I did want to just thank everybody, as we always do, for joining us here on the 602 Club. We're so glad you're here. Um, And of course, uh, if you want to make sure that you get all the episodes as soon as they drop, wherever you're listening, whatever podcatcher or service you're using to listen to this podcast, subscribe so you get it as soon as it uh, comes out. And of course, we've got the bonus shows we do here as well. So you'll get all those episodes in the feed as soon as they drop. Also, um, we would really appreciate if you're listening, say, on like an Apple podcast or Spotify where you can review or rate the podcast, please do that. It really does help people find the show, and we would appreciate, uh, you know, that because we love people finding the show. And, of course, we love interacting with you, and you can do that on places like Twitter, at the 602 Club, or we're on Instagram, at the 602 Club TFM. We've got the entire network online at trek.fm where you can see all of the podcasts we're doing. And you we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. And then there's the listeners only discussion group you can join where you can talk about all of the different shows that we're doing here on the network with all of the listeners from around the world, which is really cool. We also want to say, um, if you do like what we're doing, uh, we could use your help. So you can go over to patreon.com slash trek.fm and become part of our team. There are some things we would love to do to continue to grow the network. We want to keep it ad-free for you guys, and we could really use your help. It's not cheap to put all of these podcasts out each and every week. So go to patreon.com slash trek.fm and see how you can be a part of the team. So I wanted to, I think, start here because this was quite an interesting movie for me uh, in the sense of just the storyline of it. Um, I was not expecting kind of where the storyline went um, based off of the trailers. And, and that this movie, I mean, has a very kind of like dark and scary start to it with this kind of armed conflict um, and this young family running away and they're fleeing their, you know, home try- with their their kids. 
Um, and it starts with a sacrificial death of a father trying to save his family. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about that because, my goodness, it was definitely, I think, a very moving beginning to the story. Oh, 100%. And I think that that sacrifice in the beginning sets the tone for everything that follows within the film. Um, and it creates this generational trauma that we see kind of trickle down through each of the characters and how it affects them generation after generation um, going forward and what that means for the family and for the town. Because, I mean, Pedro did not just sacrifice himself for his wife and babies, but also for all of the townsfolk from their town. Um, essentially, his sacrifice meant that everyone else could see the next day, which I thought was, you know, a really somber and beautiful way to start this movie. Uh, what did you think, Christy? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right that it it needed this kind of depth to make you care more about the characters and what they're going through as a family. And I think it also is relatable on multiple levels because it could be related to, you know, like it's, it's loosely based on the thousand days war in Colombia, which really happened. Um, hundreds of thousands of people died because of a political conflict within the country. Um, but it could also be related to people that are immigrating from one country to another. And, you know, just imagining from someone that has not experienced what it's like for people, for example, immigrating from Mexico to America, um, go through, it's really helpful to see what that would be like for someone and possibly what has happened for some people. Um, and then, you know, that whole other level of just the sacrificial love, like you mentioned, both of you, um, I really love that it, it starts with that. And that it then trickles into everything else is possible because of his sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I I think that's something that's pretty neat about the story in the sense that, you know, and it's really interesting because I think the storyline of this movie has a lot of, I would say, like spiritual and, and almost like biblical type of themes to it. Um, but, you know, this family's survival as this town's survival and thrival is actually based all on the sacrificial act of one person. And his sacrifice covers them all. And not only does that happen, um, does it give them that type of salvation, but that it gifts this family with these gifts to continue to help the town and the family itself thrive and survive. And, and I think that's the thing about it. It's like those gifts not only help them survive, but to thrive. Uh, and so that it, it really kind of shows that life is more than just about survival. It is about learning to kind of enjoy it and to thrive and to to be fruitful and multiply and all these type of things like it's fascinating to me just kind of how much this movie kind of underlines with a lot of like very spiritual themes which is really interesting to me um as you know kind of watching through the movie so 
if I, if I do kind of allude to some of those things throughout this, you know, it's not a religious podcast, but, you know, that's kind of what the story is giving us. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to apologize yeah. for it. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I did want to ask you before we kind of move to kind of like actually talking about the character specifically. Um, a part of the story that I was really, I think that I kind of struggled with, though. Um, is the sense that with this very kind of uh, spiritual thematic beginning to the film, I found this movie to be more a parable and less a story about characters. Like everything felt more archetypal than, you know, following, say, I, I think of like Simba and the Lion King or, you know, the um, heck, even Moana or, you know, um, like this just felt more like everything was more on a less personal level and more an archetypal level than it is anything else. And so I wondered if, if either of you felt that or if you felt something different while watching the movie. Um, I think on a surface level, like first watch, it felt that way, especially in the beginning with all the characters, because they were kind of boxed individually into these specific character types rather than having a lot of depth to their personality. Um, For me, as it did go on and we got into a couple of songs like the surface pressure or um, Isabella's song and then going down to Abuela at the end, I did feel like we got a little bit more of like their own personalities and wishes and wants um, that did reflect individual individuality a little bit better, but I can definitely see where the archetypal vibe was coming from throughout the entire film. And they did kind of follow that trajectory. And you're both right, because the, the more research I did about the making of the movie, you see that they had to go that route, apparently, because there were so many characters. Huh. They said basically... And I, yeah, that's yeah. because they wanted it to be a large extended family, but you only have so much time to dive into each one. Yeah. They had to keep it more mm-hmm. archetypal. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with what you said as well, Amanda. They don't get to go into all of them more, but mm-hmm. a few of them at least get more depth as the movie goes on. Yeah. Well, and that's interesting because, you, you, Chrissy, you mentioned it and even just talking about the characters themselves. I, I do think the list of characters on our outline is so long <laughs> and it is um i th- i do think that to me like i completely understand where they're going and why they're doing it um but in all honesty to me the only character i think that truly kind of stood out in any way um was actually her second sister Luisa, who's the strong one, and partially I think that's because her song is so good in the movie, which is the I, to me was the actually the most memorable song. Everybody apparently talks about we don't talk about Bruno, but to me her sister's song is actually the one that sticks in my head, and it makes her I think the character I think most about the movie. Even though the movie's not even really about her, it's about Mirabelle, and and so it's like very strange to me so like yes there's this really long list of of characters but there's only really one that kind of stuck in my head which i i found actually i think 
that may be the thing I find the most frustrating with the movie is that there are so many characters and I'm introduced to so many of them so quickly that I have a hard time like keeping them straight in my mind and or what their quote unquote gift is. And yeah, I think it would have helped if they had done a little bit more introduction aside from just the opening song to some of the other characters um, or tried to reduce them a little bit. Um, but I mean, you know, I, I felt the same way you did as far as it being a little overwhelming. And I think that it was, I don't know if it stood out to you guys as well, but it was kind of annoying as well for me in the opening song when she gets to the grandkid roundup section. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. no, the song was not that vibe. And now you've got into like country territory. I don't understand. <laughs> it didn't bother me that much. I thought it was fun and it it is for kids. That is true. It's a kid's That's movie. True. So we can't be too like adult critique hypercritical of, you know, the boppiness of some of the songs because they've got they've got to have that kind of feeling. Um, I I do agree that it's a ton of characters to get to know. And I wonder if they had to go that route, A, because they wanted to portray a big family, and B, because they had to make Mirabelle's um, inability to open her door seem like a catastrophe and like a huge thing rather than like they had to have that many people go before her where this was just how it is for hers to stick out and not just be like, a, oh, well, maybe some of us do and some of us don't type of thing. Yeah, that's a good point. It had I maybe that was why they had to kind of stick to that direction. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm just grasping here. <laughs> the other vibe that I got from the number of characters and the way that they wove them together was um, as well with a lot of large families, in particular, like with some of my friends immigrant families, they said, you know, how there's often this um, relationship between the elders and the children or grandchildren, that it's a lot of pressure put on them to perform in school and to, you know, live up to your family name and things like that than there are with some more, you know, American families. And that that's a whole Mm -hmm. other level that Mirabelle's dealing with with her grandmother. Oh, I completely agree. And looking like watching this last night again to um, have a little bit more depth to go into today, it also got me wondering if part of their pressure wasn't just being enough for Abuela, but being enough for the sacrifice that was made for their family too. Oh, yeah. With like... No, no sacrifice they each individually make will ever be enough mm-hmm. to make it right. okay for Abuela that Pedro sacrificed himself for their family. And I wonder if that's also part of that weight that they were carrying. So, Amanda, I like that you you said that because I do think that, honestly, that's one of the biggest themes in the movie, which is... Again, this this movie starts off in such a spiritual place of the sacrificial death of Pedro, which leads to creation of a very beautiful place, a place of safety for the family, and this, you know, candle that grants these gifts the family. And I I I think you're hundred percent right that these gifts in many ways have become 
burdens for the family because they think they need to live up to the sacrifice. And even, I mean, Abuela feels that way as well. Instead of resting in the gift, um, the gifts have become performative, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And because they can never do enough to earn the gift. And I'm not really sure if you could find a better you know, visual representation of the idea of salvation in the Bible, which is it's a gift, right? Mm -hmm. It's not something you can Mm -hmm. earn. Um, And if you try to earn it, you're always going to feel just like these people do, which is a weight, a burden, a, you know, you're going to feel crushed. You're never going to be able to be the best version of you that that salvation has allowed you to be. You're going to be um, a person who gets angry and frustrated finally. And, you know, like all of these characters, I think they live that out differently, but it's all the same thing. They're all being crushed under the weight of trying to earn something that they can never earn. It's just been given to them. And I think that's kind of beautiful, actually. Um, and, And for the fact of them kind of learning in the end that they took the gifts for granted um, and that they could never really earn them. Um, you know, hopefully now that they've been giving them back at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. they will approach them much differently. And the other thing to add on to what you were saying as well, Matt, I think it became about that song at the end where they're singing together and the grandmother says, the miracle is you. So you're mm-hmm. not just the gifts that you have to offer people you are the greatest gift. Yep. Everyone's ability to survive and thrive after being persecuted is the gift. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do think that's really beautiful. Um, I think something else that we see at the end of the film is them kind of coming to terms with themselves and starting to use their gifts in ways that make them feel whole and not just make them feel purposeful to everyone else. Um, And I think that that was a beautiful lesson for them to have learned at the end. And I hope that we get a second film so that we can see where they all go from this point of growth. Cause I feel like everyone, this wasn't to me, it didn't feel like this is the only movie we may get with the Madrigals. To me, it felt like they all just got to a point now where we can see them grow into what they may truly be meant to be doing. Right. Like without the weight and the burden of family. Yeah. What? Holding them back and kind of chaining them to what their the abuela's ideal gift giving would be. Well, or even her ideal grandchild. Yeah. That was like who the they thing are, that, who they truly are. Oh man, that like hurt my heart that she was always punishing Mirabelle and you know it's just everything's Mirabelle's fault she doesn't have a gift she should just get out of the way and let everyone else shine and she even says that some in her her own song that you know I'll stand on the side as you shine and it's just like no you get to shine too everybody has a purpose and everybody is important as equally as each other and so I, I love that she and Abuela finally get that moment by the river where Abuela realizes that she was wrong as well. Mm-hmm. And a part of, because, oh my gosh, I didn't bring it up earlier. 
if you look at everyone's costumes, each of them in their detailing, their costume um, embroidery relates to what their gift is. Every single one of the family, even Peppa has the sun earrings. Um, Mirabelle's dress has all of the butterflies, but also if you take a closer look at the embroidery, you'll see the candle. You'll see a chameleon um, for Camilo. You will see a butter, um, a flower for Isabella. All of them are represented in her dress. And then Abuela's dress is the mountains mm -hmm. that came mm -hmm. and protected Casita. So I think what they were alluding to is that Mirabel is going is the next generation's person who is going to hold the family together like Abuela has been. Abuela protected them all. Abuela saved them all. Mirabel is setting everyone free. Mm -hmm. So maybe she's the next matriarch of the family. Mm -hmm. And I think that that might be her gift is her love for her family helps them all be them, their best selves, including herself, mm -hmm. when she's allowed to. Yeah. Well, and you think about that, too, because, you know, there ha I mean, the, the family has been kind of led to jealousy and disharmony between each other because they some of them see their gifts as better than others and those kind mm -hmm. of things. And I think one of the things is that Mirabelle loves her family because they're her family mm -hmm. for who they are, not because of what they can do. Mm -hmm. And Abuela has kind of turned this into loving people because of what they can do. Yeah. And mm -hmm. there's a big difference um, between loving people for what they can give you and loving people unconditionally. And I think this movie kind of it comes to that, which is the unconditional love that we desire from our families, and because what we want to be is known and loved. Mm -hmm. And what this family has found is that they're having to hide parts of themselves from their abuela and other parts of their family because they want to just be loved, but the only way to get love is to do what this person wants you to do, you know? And it's like, that's not how true love works, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, first, true love is sacrificial, and second is unconditional. And those are the two, I think, big themes that, like, really come across in this movie, which I think is, again, it's really great because... I wouldn't say that it's just about the people learning to be able to do whatever they want to do with their gift, but that their gift can be expressed in bigger and better ways than we even thought possible because we haven't given people a chance to like explore all they can do. You know, like if you're musically talented and your family only forces you to play one instrument and to do one side of your, your gift, right? But maybe your gift is actually composing and teaching other people rather than just playing you mm -hmm. know like so the expansiveness of of what a gift can can do is really important you know and so i think that's one of the things we kind of see in the movie too is everybody's been forced into like a box with their gift you know mm -hmm. and that's that's 
that's damaging as a person to be put in a box and then kept in that box. And I'm so glad you said that specifically to Matt, because that's what happens with Isabella. And, you know, it's so beautiful to see her and Mirabelle finally connect and for Mirabelle to end up helping her create something new. And then that sparks Isabella to go outside of the traditional pretty little flowers she's always been told to make and the perfection that she's used to being told to be. And like she says, create something new, do something crazy, you know, try different colors and um, be less inhibited. Um, You know, she's it's not about being perfect anymore. It's just about being yourself and doing what you enjoy. Yeah. None of them could be their authentic selves within the constraints. I don't think any human could function as their own authentic person. And I think that also relays itself to what we were talking about earlier with everyone seeing very archetypal. They couldn't have more of a personality because they weren't allowed. Mm-hmm. It's It didn't fit with what Abuela felt. And that's what's so sad too about Bruno mm. is that we finally get to talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and Mirabelle at first is like, he is a little wacko. <laughs> and then you realize why is because he ostracized himself because he felt such a weight of not being accepted, especially by Abuela, but by anybody. You know, he said, I've always been told Bruno makes bad things happen. So I thought I should just leave. And yeah. he was never given the chance to try to be more or for people to understand him better. And then they didn't even care that he was gone. They just changed it to, well, we're just not going to talk about it anymore. And he gets to watch them Mm. through the crack in the wall with his little fake dinner plate. Oh, my God. (laughs) The dinner plate breaks my heart. I do think that that's that's something that the movie really did a great job of, which is that not talking about things is not an answer. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like we communication is the key to opening up things. We all know this, right? It's the it's like the cornerstone of therapy. Which is <laughs> communication is the key. And I think that's the thing that this movie does a great job of is just not talking about things doesn't do anyone in this family any good. And it's hurt a lot of people not talking about things. It's put a lot of unnecessary expectations on them that they can never live up to. Um, and they're, what's interesting about the movie too is that it's causing them to be defined by one person as to what they should be. And yet, that one person is flawed, right? And so, it no one should define who a person is other than somebody that's outside space and time. Mm-hmm. Like a god, right? You can't you can't have a flawed person try to define another flawed person. It just doesn't work like that. So, um, but I was absolutely just stunned by that um, beauty of like, no, you we got to talk about things because not talking about it just makes things worse. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mirabelle is kind of the curse breaker in that family, as far as what's. I mean, we see through each generation, Abuela's pain and sorrow that she didn't deal with herself when she lost Pedro 
trickling down through the generations and through how they all carry themselves and how they all relate to each other and to her. And then here comes Mirabelle. She's like, no, we must talk about these things. I need to know because it's a part of our family and it's integral to what I'm the moves that I'm going to make next. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really a unique perspective for this movie to take. And a big topic for this movie to conquer for a kid's movie. Oh, yeah. Well, and I mean, it's funny. <laughs> the more that you were talking about that, Amanda, I was thinking of Peppa and about how, mm -hmm. you know, dysfunctionally she deals with her emotions and that it's just yeah. obvious to everyone. And and even then, Abuela's picking at her and saying, Peppa, you have a cloud. And she's like, what am I supposed to do? I can't find my son. And it's his night to do the ceremony thing. <laughs> I'm upset. <laughs> I can't hide it. Yeah. No, that's great. I, I got to ask you both. Um, you know, obviously, Disney decided to they really wanted to do an, a musical. And so what did you both think of the music here in Encanto? I love it so much. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, this is probably one of my favorite, more recent musical scores for a Disney movie. Not going to lie. Yeah, I'm with you. This and Moana, which, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda worked on both and on, you know, Hamilton and so many other things that everything he touches turns to gold, I think. <laughs> it really does. And he partnered with a good composer. Um, they really wanted to bring together people that had experience in, you know, Spanish and English and um, the complexity of an extended family and dealing with, you know, this story that's based on a lot of Colombian aspects of life. Um, they brought a, a lot of different diverse people together to make it. And I think the music reflects that, especially, mm -hmm. I think, you know, even though I know we don't talk about Bruno is not your favorite song, Matt. Um, the thing that I think is so cool about that song and what to me made it stand out for a lot of people above the rest was it combines um, a canon format where at the end of the song, all of the different siblings songs are layered on top of each other, which sounds mm -hmm. really cool. Um, and then also they are doing that beat. That's a very Latin rhythm. So like, especially the scene with Dolores and doing like her little Samba or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. The, the actresses actually learned that dance and had it mirrored. Oh, like motion capture for the choreo. Like it was really chore. It was really choreographed. Like in real life, all of these dance numbers were choreographed, which I thought was really cool. Gotcha. Yeah, that is cool. That they went that extra mile to make it not just look good on screen, but also be something that's feasible to really have happen in an ensemble number. I mean, it's interesting to me because I know people just love this soundtrack. I know it went viral uh, <laughs> and but I just don't think it's that great. <gasps> oh. um, I think the, the, the I, I think specifically the music, uh, the beginning, the family Madrigal is introducing everybody in the family. It's introducing you to the to much of of the movie and the point of it. And. There are points when it's being sung so fast, you're just missing 
information. Like, and, and, and if you're going to be giving information through song, it needs to be in a way in which people can understand it well without having to listen to it, you know, three or four times to be able to get everything the character is saying. Um, so, which is what I thought was so great about surface pressure because the song is phenomenal. The, I mean, talk about dropping a beat mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and it's so catchy. Yeah. Um, and it's just a fun, I mean, it's just a phenomenal song. It's performs impeccably. I thought that was phenomenal and great and wonderful. And it's my favorite song in the movie. And I mean, I thought we don't talk about Bruno was fun, but I think everybody's talked about it so much and I hadn't heard it until now. I was really disappointed in it. It just was just okay. Um, So, I mean, when it, I know people also love men. I know people love Lin-Manuel Miranda, but he's hit or miss for me. And so I would put Moana way above this just personally. So, it was disappointing because I expected the music to be better. And I think I think the problem was is that I'd heard so much about it. Mm. And so coming into the movie, I expected greatness. And that's sometimes difficult when your expectation is so high. Uh, it's difficult, I think, for people to live up to those type of expectations. And so I think that's probably the case for me. So... It probably would have been better if I had seen this movie before all the hype came with the music and I might have responded better to it, maybe. But I don't know. I just, like, it just, yeah, there's just one song that really stuck out to me that I really enjoyed and I would probably listen to, like, again outside the movie. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, to me, also the hallmark of a Disney film is to have music that you would also want to listen to outside of the mm-hmm. movie. That's what Disney, I think, has been known for. Um, so, but I mean, I'm, I'm not saying other people shouldn't like it. It just, well, it's, it didn't float my boat. And so. I get that. <laughs> like, you know, definitely, I agree with you on the family madrigal song. Um, it gets way too fast at the end. And like I said earlier too, that the piece about the grandkid roundup, I think, could have just been written differently to not sound like a complete tone shift. I guess was my issue. Um, Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think some of the other songs are really good. They're just not quite as memorable. Um, like Isabella's song, um, Something New, I think is what it was called. What else can I do? What else can I do? Yeah. Um, and then I really like Mirabelle's song, Waiting on a Miracle. Oh, yes. And I love Dos Oroguitos. That one literally breaks my heart. I cry every time I watch that movie when um, Mirabelle and Abuela have their moment at the river and that song comes on and then they replay what happened to the full extent from like the first time Abuela met Pedro to current times and I'm sitting there like (laughs) sniffing while my husband's snoring and Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very heartfelt soft song. and if you go to look at the American lyrics, um, it's something along the lines of two caterpillars, but one of us has to go and then they transition them into butterflies or mariposas. And it's just like, oh, <laughs> my feelings have feelings. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the it's really beautiful. And the last song, too, where they're um, as a family rebuilding Casita. 
mm-hmm. I thought was nice, you know, that it's, um, she says, the miracle is you. Yep. And stars don't shine, they burn. Because mm-hmm. she was always talking about, you know, how letting everyone else shine. Mm-hmm. So then everyone's burning brighter together like the candle. And it was so sweet and thematic. And and they bring in the villagers into it and say, um, mm-hmm. what is it like? Um, Lay down your load. Uh-huh. And I think it's like, um, we we may not be strong, but we're many. Mm-hmm. And we're, you know, all part of this together, I thought was great. And I will yeah. tell you, just based on that song, I made my boss show this at work during a staff meeting and we all left crying because it was like, oh. I work at Habitat for Humanity and they rebuilt the house. And it just, you know, it works on a lot of different levels. Now that has to be like a key song that you play before any build project. Right. It's decided. <laughs> Get everyone in their feels. They'll work harder. Just don't cry too hard and put a nail through your finger. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, what did both of you think of... The animation, obviously, it's an animated film, and that is a huge part uh, of what, you know, these movies look like. And that has a lot to do, I think, with how people respond. I really enjoyed the animation personally. Um, I think I most loved what they did with Louisa. And I know the animators did fight really hard to keep her build the way that they had originally imagined it and not have her be tinier but strong. I thought that she was a really beautiful representation. And um, I also like that each of them had such individual features because sometimes, I mean, even with Frozen, a lot of the characters end up having the same small features and giant eyes. Um, So I felt like this film had a little bit more variation between each of the characters, which I thought was a lot more interesting for me to look at. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because I I do think that that can happen a lot of times, especially with Disney movies. Um, And I mean, to bring up the animation as well, I think that this style works well for the story you're trying to tell. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, if you think about the variation in like um, Into the Spider-Verse, it was totally off kilter and that matched that style. Um, And they really did a lot here to make sure that it all reflected the design that you would see in a country like Colombia. Um, yeah. The diversity, the costuming, the um, the setting. They even consulted a botanist I thought was really cool um, to make the um, Encanto, the, you know, the whole village look realistic, but still not specific to a certain time period. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, I do think it was cool, especially with the, the outfits. Like you said earlier, Amanda, the embroidery had different reflections of each of their gifts on their yeah. clothing. Um, and that the clothing was different than it was in like Frozen, where here it was supposed to be more loosely fitting because of the style of the country. Um, I thought it was really beautiful. I also like how they used clothing to transition in some points, like with Abuela, when you see her go from girl um, in mourning to walking out of her bedroom, putting on her mourning shawl, her black shawl, to the buttoned up Abuela that we see going forward. They used the clothing in a really unique way, I thought, in that specific transition. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And Bru- oh, Bruno's poncho had the little hourglasses. Yeah. Well, and I think it was interesting, too. They talk about um, in the design that the different family groups each have warm or cool tones for the family. Really? So, I didn't notice that. That's so yeah, cool. Yeah, like if you notice Felix and Peppa and their children all wear warm colors. And they do. Bruno wears cool tones. And mm-hmm. um, so do Mirabelle and her parents. And then you have um, Abuela, who's all in like muted, like you said, more like in mourning colors. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I like that they did that kind of color reflection with the families. Mm-hmm. I think that the animation is good. I mean, as all of these Disney movies are, and, and I think there are especially a few scenes where um, I think I've been really spoiled that, especially the later seasons of the Clone Wars and then like the Bad Batch and even the later seasons of Rebels where they're working so hard on cinematic lighting um, is so great. But I think this movie had some really nice cinematic lighting touches to it in places, which were excellent. So I really enjoyed that. Um, I will say that one of the things I think that I do miss in, in animation is actually the way in which it was easy for them with 2D animation to create specific styles. So the movies really did stand apart and kind of had a a lot more reference to the cultures to which they were referencing. Like, you know, I I specifically think of when they got into doing like Hercules or Mulan Mm -hmm. and 2D animation where Mm -hmm. that animation style referenced so heavily the, um, lines and the way in which those cultures had like created art. And I just missed that, like that differentiation between them. Um, because I just feel like this doesn't feel all that much different than like the look and the feel of like Moana, even like it, even though it's a totally different culture. Um, and, um, I just, I, that's something I, I, I would love to see them kind of like, I know it's 3d animation, and there's a there's an aspect where it, it may, maybe it's harder to create that than it is um, in other places. But I just would love to see them really push themselves to create something that really reflects in in those ways um, the culture went, and in some ways where it's easier to see that difference um, than than having to kind of like pull out the small details that um, would be more difficult for somebody who isn't necessarily from there to be able to point to and say, oh, well, that's, you know, so. But otherwise, I mean, it's a, it looks great, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. it, it just does. So, um, yeah, I'm really, really interested to see where you guys come down then for the movie with your ratings um, because it feels like you guys love it. <laughs> Amanda is it that oh I was gonna say is it that time it is oh I would probably give it like a four out of five I really enjoy this film I enjoy the music um I love the brave storyline and the big themes that they were tackling um and I think that they handled the weight with grace for a kid's movie 
in a really accessible way. So the whole thing just made me really, really happy and it made me cry in a good way. So yeah, four out of five. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Um, and I actually, I forgot to ask you what you would rate with. Sometimes we like to do that, you know, like it'd be four out of five um, cowardly toucans. I know. Give me a second to get my clever back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, getting clever back. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh. Okay. Let's see. We will do, I would give it four out of five mariposas. Oh, are those the little cakes? Those are butterflies. Oh, sorry. In Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, wait. No, no, no. That was um... Baxter. You know I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> That's right. I was thinking of the um, empanadas con queso. You, I was like, you healed my hand with an empanada con queso. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, obviously, what I'm running with already because I said it. Um, cowardly toucans, because uh, that was adorable. So yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I don't think it was perfect, so I'm not giving it a five. But there was a lot um, to digest here and. A real test for me of a great movie is, did I leave the first time I saw it crying? Oh my God, I bawled through most of this movie the first time I watched it. I watched it with my friend Erica at her house and she goes, are you okay? <laughs> I was like, no, <laughs> no. She's carrying a lot and she's got to be strong for everybody. <laughs> and there were dancing donkeys. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, anyway, that's where I land. For me, I, I think, I don't know if I gave it away earlier, but this movie to me was definitely less engaging character-wise. Uh, had some amazing themes, which I love, but it did feel more like a parable than it did a story. Um, and to me, I... And, and I was left wanting with the music. And so as much as I love thematic resonance, which I think this movie has a ton of, um, and I could probably talk a lot more in depth about it as well, just because I, I thought there was a lot to talk about there. I was left wanting with the rest of the movie. And so for me, this is three out of five used up candles. Um, and so we're... <laughs> It it just didn't quite get to that level for me, um, but you know it was fun, and I had, and you know it was fun to watch. So uh, I just I didn't come away blown away in the way a lot of people did. So um, which is okay, yeah. you know, not everybody likes everything, mm -hmm. and that's just part of life. And so, well, I am really excited to see what everybody wants to recommend this week to everyone. And so, Christy. What would you like to recommend to the listeners of the 602 Club? I'm going to be a little cheesy and um, look at other movies that are inspired by having a large extended family. Um, because I come from one and could identify with that aspect of this movie. Um, if you have not seen My Big Fat Greek Wedding, where have you been, first of all? But then... Go see it um, <laughs> because definitely if you also come from a large family or a large extended family, that is the movie that will make you feel like other people understand you <laughs> and uh, that it's constant chaos, but you still love each other and um, you get through the bad times together and 
yeah, I just I highly recommend going back and watching My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Um, I think for me, I'm going to go with an older animated film um, that also plays into the beauty of sacrifice. And I'm going to go with the ever traumatizing, ever beautiful Secret of Nim. Ooh, yeah. Nice. Very nice. But yes, it is traumatizing. And don't let your small children watch it because I, I oh, his name is Nicodemus, right? He's horrifying. <laughs> The big old rat. He's, uh, yeah, Mm. just. Yeah, that movie is Mind your kids. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, I'm going to go in a slightly different direction than either of you. Uh, My wife and I have just started rewatching the Jurassic Park movies because the new one comes out this year, kind of wrapping up the whole Jurassic series. And so, man, rewatching Jurassic Park was just so much fun mm-hmm. um and it looks great on 4k and so you know it's just can you ever have enough nerdy jeff goldblum in no. your life in a film you know mm-hmm. so i mean it's he's he's so i mean this is uh his classic so yes i'm gonna recommend going in now uh, you know watching jurassic park before jurassic park dominion comes out this summer so well Amanda, always good to have you back, of course, in the 602 Club. And so let everybody know where they can find you if they want to catch up with you. Well, y'all can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, all under the handle at Twin Sons Amanda. And we also do a show together when I'm not here on the 602 Club called Sabres and Spells on the Skywalking Through Neverland Network. Skynet. There you go. <laughs> that I hope you guys will check out. <laughs> and then you can find me, Christy, at Bespin Bell on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok as well. And of course, in the Babel Conference on Facebook. And of course, you can find me on social media under the name Matt Rushing02. So Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, Vero, any of those places you can find me uh, and follow me. I'd love to talk to you. You can also find me here on the network in the 602 Club with the bonus shows we do, Assembling Avengers, as well as Snyder Cuts. And then The Orb, Literary Treks, Warp 5, The Artificial Tango, and now Saddle Up. Wow. So The Orb is about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Literary Trek is about the books and the comics of Star Trek. Warp 5 is about Star Trek Enterprise. The Artificial Tango is about Star Trek Picard as we're walking through and about to finish Season 2, which is exciting. And Saddle Up is about the upcoming show, Strange New Worlds, that's coming out. And uh, we've got our first episode talking about Christopher Pike, so you can check that out. Also find me over on the Nerd Party with a finished show called Outpost with Drea Kaufman as we talked about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series one chapter at a time and aggressive negotiations talking about Star Wars with John Mills but as always thank you so much for joining us knock 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 throw some sugar maybe some salt Thank you.